Welcome to Communicate Like You Give a Damn, the podcast. Our guests share their stories and approaches to embedding diversity, equity, and inclusion in communications because, I mean, let's be honest, we know the power of language. And language leads to behavior. So thank you. Thank you for joining us in leveling up your communications. I'm your host, Kim Clark. And DEI communications, it's, it's kind of my thing. So let's get into it. Let's learn more about how to communicate like you give a damn. Hey, welcome back. Thank you, everybody, for being here. I can't wait to introduce you to Ashley T. Brundage. Now, Ashley and I were actually on <laughs> a panel uh, in early 2023, and that's actually how we met. We hadn't met before. We were just kind of put on this panel together and, you know, talking about culture and differences and empowerment, employee empowerment. And I'm coming from the communication side, and she's coming from, well, let me let, let her just kind of introduce herself, and then you'll, you'll see. Ashley, let people know who you are. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I am Ashley T. Brunage, as you said. I'm the president and CEO of Empowering Differences, which is a leadership training consulting company. I did about eight years of research on empowerment. And then what I found during my research was that empowerment was largely impacted by the differences that we have as humans. Some people have access to more empowerment than others, naturally. So I said, oh, well, why don't I create a whole program called Empowering Differences and allow people to grow as humans, awesome, through these differences that they have. And they can become better leaders, but also really anyone can empower differences, whether even if you are already extremely empowered, you might be in a position to drive empowerment for other people. And I wanted to create a program that encompassed that, but also build the connection for others to grow and learn and grow. And I actually litmus tested this research um, and the four empowerment steps that come with it when I overcame harassment, discrimination, and homelessness as a proud out woman of transgender experience living in Florida. <laughs> and I got a job as a part-time bank teller, and then I became the National Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion after only four years. And that was largely tied to the fact that I was extremely empowering all 10 of my differences. And I'm excited to chat more with you. Oh, my gosh. You just, there's so much right there that I just want to go down all the lanes. So, like, kind of what age range were you were, were you at when you were kind of discovering who you were? And, and not discovering, but stepping into. Yeah. Um, well, in 1997, I was 17, and I had a stark stop on my gender transition because I realized that the world was not yet ready for someone like me. Uh, my brother actually kind of you know, said, hey, what's so important? Why do you want to you know, live your life this way? I mean, well, I'm going to love you regardless, but I just want to know. And I said, well, I really have all these maternal instincts. I want to be a mom. And, and I, like, I literally, I want to be a mom. He said, well, then you should just have kids. <laughs> and then you can mom the hell out of them <laughs> as whoever you are. And so I had kids and that was able to hide me into the closet for the next 11 years. But then I blew everything up in 2008 uh, because I lost my job 
because I was living a double life and it was disproportionately affecting me. And then that's what kind of started me on this quest of trying to figure out how to garner more empowerment. And I did that through research, did that through advocacy work. And then I did that through uh, forming this uh, focus groups and creating an entire leadership program to help people. So you started to bring that work and kind of connect your personal experience, what you're seeing in the workplace and, and actually stepping into a VP of diversity, equity, and inclusion at a, at a major institution, a regulated industry. So what, (laughs) so talk about that experience. And then I would love to hear more about the kind of conversations that you had in order to get where you wanted the prog- program to go and some of the obstacles that you ran into. Yeah. I mean, the financial services industry, I don't know that they were ready for someone like me. <laughs> I mean, I definitely made them feel uncomfortable at times, but I think it was the right amount of mix of uncomfortableness. You have to make sometimes people feel uncomfortable to be able to, cause that's where the best learning comes into play. That's where you check, you know, you're challenging people to think more broadly or move inclusion programming differently. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I definitely uh, led the league and uh, people tried to call ethics on me because they just didn't like me. Um, And I know I made people feel uncomfortable at times. I mean, at one point, the bank I worked for was the Quaker Bank. Like, so I mean, like ah. in their history, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it's a 165 year old financial services organization. What do you expect, right? Like, it's and and also the other thing is, is that I was literally trying to build a brand on empowerment. And let's not kid ourselves: the financial industry is very financial services industry is deeply rooted in a past that's very disempowering for people. And even to this day, there are lots of things that happen in the financial industry that can be construed as disempowerment, right? Like they're holding onto your money, they're making money off your money, you move your money, they charge you, you spend your money, they charge you, the merchant charges you 3% higher to cover up the cost of what they're paying the financial organization. All of those things can be seen as disempowering for people. So it's very difficult. Um, and I definitely scratched the surface, just scratching the surface of trying to make people understand to think a little bit differently. So let's talk about the book, the research, what you found, and how you put it into play with your clients. When I hear the term empowerment, I really focus on the power part of empowerment. Like that is what pops out for me is power. So power dynamics. Now we know language leads to behavior. Language can be weaponized. And what we're talking about here is, you know, communicating like we give a damn. So language is very powerful. And that sounds like a really good book title, by the way. <laughs> You're not the first to tell me that. It's, it's, this is very interesting. I'm listening. Yeah, at least I got the podcast titled this, uh, <laughs> Communicate Like You Give a Damn. But talk about this, you know, the power of empowerment. And yeah, yeah. you know, what did you find in the research and how do you put it into play for clients? Um, I will. I I think that you start with the definition of empowerment, which is authority and power connected to people. So when I started doing this research on empowerment first, before I was doing the focus groups on the differences, I was asking people what they felt about empowerment and what it meant to them. 
And basically, I knew that they were the people. So that was the easy part of those three pieces. There were 8 billion people on the planet. You know, that can't really be argued. That's a statistical fact. Mm-hmm. But the authority and power were very much like society-driven constructs, right? I mean, you even said it when you were talking about the power dynamics, a dynamic, right? You said dynamics. And so the response that I got from people around what empowerment meant to them, I basically all of their answers, I grouped them into two different categories. The answers either had something measurable that was easy, tangible to know exactly that's how much it is, like the paycheck, the title, your annual salary, how much time you have in a day, how much power is on the room is measured by kilowatts. Like literally everything that happens in our planet is in one of these two categories. It's an easy measurable category that has some sort of impact towards people on the planet, power, And then authority was everything else, which was the emotional side, the human side, the decision-making side, the confidence side, the health side, the framing side, the breathing side, like the yin and yang side, like literally everything else that happens in this planet went across the authority side around how we built our own confidence to be our own boss. And it's like a mentality that people move. And by separating empowerment into these three categories, we have a better ability to track the results of our empowerment work. And that's what I wanted to build my program around was that ability to help people better understand empowerment, to speak to what is empowering versus just being branded as, oh, this is empowering people. Because the term can be kind of cliche, you know, it's like it's like kind of lost some of its power, if you will. So how do we like empower empowerment (laughs) and how do we leverage our differences to empower our workplace culture? Yeah. So my whole program is about leveraging differences to impact change. The impacting of the change is a number one, the better understanding of empowerment is B number two, the uh, measurement of whatever it is that you're doing to drive empowerment for people. So you can measure the power items very easily because the power items are going to be in that space of, oh, okay, this is exactly what that is. Okay, we pay, we we promoted X amount more people. So we know that that amount is the power. And then the authority side is usually we ask people, hey, how did I do today? Or how did you feel about me as, a, as your supervisor today? Or, or any of those kinds of, you know, you get out of the Uber car, right? And they're like, please rate me five stars. And they're asking you that specifically because that ties to their authority around how you felt about the ride. But then it on the back end connects to the power because then, you know they can get a bonus on how you've rated them, right? So it's like these two things are very intertwined and mm-hmm. in, in how they connect to empowerment. But really foundationally understanding empowerment better is the first step in this process. And that comes from kind of getting to know yourself and what you feel about empowerment. So actually, I published a 21-question empowerment self-assessment that connects to step one, knowing yourself. And that assessment is available right on empoweringdifferences.com. People can click the assessment tab and download it for free because I don't want there to be any barrier for anyone to gather resources for step one in their empowerment journey. Big news, friends. We have found a way to duplicate the content we share 
Now it'll be available everywhere all at once. You can now pre-order the DEI Communications Blueprint. (sighs) This is a three-level on-demand video course. It's 21 of the most popular topics I talk about in workshops and training sessions with clients all over the world. And by taking this video course, you will be able to apply a DEI lens to your communications, develop DEI communication strategies, gain confidence, and shift DEI messages to center outcomes, not activities and outputs. Plus, we threw in some more bonuses for those who pre-order ahead of our fall launch. So go to deicommunicationsblueprint.com That is deicommunicationsblueprint.com to get started. And what are the other steps once we Um, find out a little bit more about ourselves? Yeah. So once you find out about yourself and what that and what empowerment means to you and you memorialize it and date it, date it for the day that you wrote Mm -hmm. what empowerment meant to you, because your answer will change over time as your differences change. And so that's why it's so important to learn about other people and all these differences, because as a human, you, you own on to this moment of where you fit in the world and, and awareness is huge. So knowing yeah. others is step two. That's where we learn about the differences. That's why we partner with experts in the DEI space and other communities, because we want to feature and hear from people across those differences. Step three is to develop your strategy. You cannot drive empowerment successfully for all 10 of your differences unless you have a strategy to do so and you're purposeful in that nature. So for step three, the resource that I created is the empowerment self-assessment digital platform where you rate your differences. Are you empowered or are you disempowered? So if anybody wants to do that, they can always contact me and we'll provide you with that assessment platform. It's part of the leadership course that I created that connects to step four, the empowering actions. And these are the leadership actions that you get as recommendations for your strategy based on your differences and how empowered or disempowered you are. That's where the recommendation comes into play so that that way you can be truly empowering all 10 of your differences just like I Hmm. Do you have any examples in working with clients or individuals where you can kind of suss out by the person's language where they were at? Or do you have any examples of empowering or disempowering language that you've heard? Yeah, well, language is one of the top 10 differences that I study. And it's one of those things that is, is so there are so five of the top 10 differences can change in every single second. Many people don't think about all of our differences and that half of the 10 are, are interchangeable in any moment, right? So you have your age, your physical abilities and attributes, you have your social economic class, your education, and then your language. And you can learn one new word per day if you want to, right? Like some people like feel threatened about the and I, but ultimately like knowing that these five things can change every day about you is like mind-blowing hopefully for you because you now have the ability to change your your differences (laughs) 
And it's empowering. It's an empowering feeling. (laughs) Hopefully, right? I mean, (laughs) I I was in nine countries last year. And across nine countries, I noticed that um, if I just at least spoke one to two words in a different language, I could immediately cultivate empowerment for the other person on the other side of the of the conversation. Even just me attempting to pronounce a word that I know exists is empowerment potentially. Um, I think it's really important. Like this is why I can speak at least four words in nineteen languages specifically because hello, goodbye, please, thank you can go a really long way in how you cultivate a relationship with people through your communication and the language word choices you make. That makes so much sense. What are some examples of how we disempower ourselves with the language that we use? Yeah, this is, this is so common. I see this a lot. Um, I, one of my big call outs for people is, is our word choices, right? The communication word choices matter. Do you use empowering communication or do you just communicate? Um, some examples <laughs> oh, of this is, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So some examples of this is like um, oftentimes when you have, you know, 10 meetings in one day, back to backs, and you're like thinking, Am I, you know, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm really busy. And I'm not getting any work done, right? Or whatever. But, you know, that's a negative, that has sometimes a negative feeling or a negative connotation. I always frame my day as being productive and I'm, I'm always thinking positively in the way that I'm communicating the word choices matter. You can, you know, use a lot of different word choices, right? There's, um, uh, you know, a lot of people use adjectives sometimes to describe how they're feeling, but then not realize that that adjective could potentially be hurting somebody. Um, you know, the word crazy is thrown around a lot in this space. And I always try try to say not to use that word, um, and say that, say what it is that your day is, why you feel like that is the word you're trying to use. Is it because you have had a lot of meetings today or that it's been intense or what's going on? Like say the actual meaning, not Mm -hmm. describing a a word that's used to hurt other people at, at times. And, and this goes all back to inclusive communication, which is obviously a you know a big intersection between you and me uh, and what we what our work does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that was a great example. Now I'd love to hear. This is like uh, the big uh, the final question that I would love to hear from you is when you were running DEI, you know, in a full time capacity, you're a VP of DEI. And you would have had communication partners within the organization. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what worked? What didn't work? What did you need as the VP of DEI of a very large institution, a very influential institution, and that would have made greater impact on the progress and the work that you were trying to accomplish? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, we we had a communications person on our team, <laughs> okay. which was really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. that we had our own comms person. And, um, but then we had a weekly meeting with corporate communications because literally every day we were trying to put something on the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> for DE&I. Um, and we wanted it to be, and then we had community statements. I mean, I 
was there during the murder of George Floyd. And I was there during the shift to remote work. And, and, and all of those changes were greatly impacted how people accessed the DEI programming, right? Um, because before it was, you, you know, you met your employee resource group chapter in the city where you sat and, um, and, and you didn't really do much stuff online. And then, of course, we, we pivoted everything to be online. So how we communicated that and structured it was really important. But I think my biggest call out in this space was how we drafted communication flyers surrounding the events. I mean, we could potentially strip away the identifying information for an event and reach a broader audience. Bringing in somebody for a history or cultural celebration event is usually an opportunity to bring in some of the people who wouldn't necessarily click a button to attend an employee resource group event or the DEI event. I often tell DEI leaders that they should market their events in multiple ways. Coke does not sell Coca-Cola one way, the same way in the entire country. They don't sell it the same way around the world either. They sell it very differently. They even have it taste differently depending upon where you are in the world. Why is it that we get into this sense to think that we can create one flyer and we can sell DEI to people and have them come? We have to sell DEI sometimes. There are people that are not wanting to be a part of it. They feel threatened. And how is anybody going to ever actually, we're not, we're going to reach those people. We want to reach everybody, right? Inclusion is about all. Diversity is actually about all. It's the presence of differences that make us all unique. So these concepts are all baked out. So if we don't do this from a communication standpoint and communicate our message that's going to reach all the target audiences, then we really should be thinking about that. And that's one of the biggest things that I tried to work on there. I can see in the future having you back, Ashley, because everything you just said right there is a whole podcast episode unto itself. So I hope you'd be willing to come back and continue this conversation because I think you just opened up some things that I think a lot of our audience will benefit from your expertise yes yeah of course anytime thank you i appreciate that very much uh so how can people stay in touch with you and can you repeat how people can take the assessment again yes so uh empoweringdifferences.com is your one-stop shop for all your empowerment resources uh so on the website there's uh the self-assessments tab you can click the button and download the assessments. And then if you want, there's a order button. You can order copies of my book or the workbook. You can also enroll in the online leadership development course, which is the 10 empowering actions. And that's where we go really deep in that. And it's a full inclusive uh, learning platform that you have access to. Plus it includes all of the content that I create, including weekly content related to empowerment in our groups that we have. And then also I have a conference coming up. So if anybody's thinking about that, they want to engage in this in a week long setting, um, you can come and join me on the voyage of empowerment, which is my annual convention that happens. Yes. On a cruise ship. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a, you sometimes have to remove yourself from your day-to-day leadership conference to get in the all the power that that you need in this world. And it's really interesting. Also um, the connection we have through vibrations and, and, and vibrations bring us together in a lot of ways. 
you know, it's the vocal cord bouncing off from the computer screen or your or your phone right now listening, uh, and and you and it's reverberating back to you. You're feeling my voice a little bit in the reverberation that comes off of you. And uh, so, of course, to do an empowerment conference that is constantly vibrating <laughs> is one of the reasons why we have it on a cruise ship, because the engine is shaking the ship a little bit at every moment. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that you do this and you get people out of their space and into a yeah. new space. So they're already uncomfortable. They're already yes. trying to figure out where they are and stuff. And that just kind of leaves a lot open. So it's yes. brilliant. Yeah. Exactly. To forward to <laughs> the convention center <laughs> on the cruise ship. You may have never been in a convention center on a cruise ship, but I take people to the convention center on a cruise ship. And then we also give back to the community. So we're doing a huge volunteerism event in Bermuda this year, which I'm really excited about. Mm. We'll put that in the show notes so people can learn more about, uh, you know, supporting you in that work. Yeah. Um, and, and so and you can also follow me at Ashley T. Brundage. A-S-H-L-E-Y-T-B-R-U-N-D-A-G-E. And you're on all the channels, I assume. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ashley, thank you for your generosity and sharing. Thank you for all the work, the blood, sweat, and tears you put into that research. It's not for the light of heart. Putting it into a book and into a tool so people can access and benefit from it grow their careers, grow their cultures. It's just in their leadership capabilities so desperately needed right now, as we know. And we'll have you back. We're going to continue this conversation. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Okay. So what popped out to you from this conversation? And I mean, it may take a minute to process, but be sure not to brush off what you just heard. Look, you just need a partner to be with you through this experience and understand what to do next. So I'm inviting you to set up a one-on-one strategy session. All you need to do is go to communicate like you give a damn the podcast.com and you'll see the button there. The more conscious communicators in the world, the better the world. So thank you for listening. And until next time, let's communicate like we give a damn.